I am now joined by a man who is many things, a columnist for Jacobin Magazine, an occasional contributor to Compact Magazine, a bar trivia host, and my friend, uh, Ryan Zickgraff. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, Ryan, have you uh, unmuted yourself? That's the button at the bottom of the screen. So it should be like the bottom left. There should be one that looks like a microphone. But oh, a... how about that? Here we are, folks. There we go. I'm not a technical person, we'll say. Ah, fair. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks for the nice introduction. It's uh, good to chat with you uh, probably for the first time since you fled Atlanta for the warmer climes of, uh, of Mexico. <laughs> uh, you know, talk of people fly to Mexico reminds me of somebody I, I actually did meet uh, in Mexico that I shouldn't probably talk about on air, but I'll do that one in private. Uh, but, uh, wow, do, okay. You, you do meet somebody every once in a while down there who you're like, is there a reason you live in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah, I have, to, I have to hear this story. In my case, I will, I will, I will say for the record, I'm, I'm not fleeing legal trouble. Uh, but uh, but I, did, I did move from Atlanta to Mexico. That is a, that is the thing that really happened, can confirm. Um, in fact, I think the last night or next to last night I spent in Atlanta. It was, I spent at uh, Ryan's Bar Trivia. So. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so Ryan, uh, you, you wrote this article for, uh, for, for Compact Magazine, which, uh, uh, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm always really happy to see you do because it, it provides cover for me, sometimes writing for them to, you know, have other people in the uh, in the Jacobin world do so. I, I remember uh, the first article that I had out for them, somebody I actually knew slightly in real life uh, many years ago, got mad at me at Facebook for uh, writing for the crypto fascist press. Uh, that was the uh, that was the uh, the phrase they used, but uh, well, well, it is funny because uh, if you Google like our names and compact, one thing that comes up is us on call in talking shit about uh, compact right after they yeah, started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's uh, I mean, I think it's consistent because I, you know, what I was critical of was the statement of the magazine's editorial politics, which. I remain critical of like they, they have a um, like the, the, the founding editors, their like statement of their ideological vision. I really disagree with. And, you know, I've, I, I wrote a Jacobin article about it. We did a call it about it. And uh, I have uh, <laughs> the, one of those editors who I actually know, I've, I've, I, I have told him the same thing in private and in person, you know, <laughs> that's uh, like, I, I, those are real ideological disagreements we have, but also I don't think that like writing for a magazine is an endorsement of everything that the people who who edit the magazine think, right? I mean, like, oh. if you... yeah, yeah, uh, of course. I mean, and then plus, you know, when we're inevitably asked on Tucker Carlson, you know, we'll, we'll, stick, we'll, stick, to, we'll stick to our guns, man. I'm yeah, exactly. Gonna, I'm not going to suddenly be pro cigarette 
Uh, I don't know if you saw that clip, but I, I, I'm not going to be totally uh, pro-cigarette just because Tucker Carlson has me on. I mean, that's a funny example because I, I regard that as one of his, his least objectionable positions. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I disagree with that. I think cigarettes are, you know, bad for you. But um, <laughs> but yes, yes, absolutely. If you're invited on Tucker, tell him what you think and don't get reinvited. But um, yeah, uh, but but also like, I don't know. I mean, if you uh, if you got invited tomorrow to write for The New York Times, I wouldn't be like, no, don't do it. The uh, you know, like they uh, they helped uh, they helped the Bush administration, you know, like yeah. lay the groundwork about weapons of mass destruction. I'd be like, yeah, of course, right, go for it. I mean, I I mean, look, I wrote for I like I write for liberal magazines, and I hate the libs. Exactly. Um, in this particular case, the thing that you're hating, uh, the the particular channel in which your hatred is being directed, in this article that we're talking about. Is, uh, is is uh, Prince Harry? The uh, the title of the article is uh, "The Prince of Cringe," uh, which, as you pointed out over text after I set up this episode on you know the Colin app on my phone, that uh, you know uh, Saturday chat with Ryan Zickgraf, the Prince of Cringe, sounded a little ambiguous about who was being referred to as that. That was not my intention. But, no, uh, I, I, I mean I, I don't. I, I... I'm nowhere near that title, but I can at least be a Duke of Cringe. I, I, I'm at least some sort of noble of Cringe, um, but I, I can't. I can't beat Prince Harry. Yeah, Viscount Cringe. Right? Yeah. By the way, I was hoping that you would like this article because I feel like um, since you're uh, a Christopher Hitchens guy, I feel like this is the closest I'll probably ever get to to writing a Christopher Hitchens column. Yeah, totally. Uh, have you read Have you read Hitchens' book on the monarchy? I haven't read the book, but I've read excerpts of uh, him talking about Diana. Oh yeah, yeah. So he did a great. Um, I mean, yeah, he. Uh, well, he actually did a documentary after Diana died called "The Morning After," like M O U R Morning, um, where he was talking about this sort of like way this kind of like festival of like mandatory public grief essentially you know that like everybody has to has to care about this particular person because she's special because she's part of the special family um and in fact i think there's an interesting parallel there with the the harry and megan case because because you get um these people like diana and megan who, who didn't even start out in the genetically special family but they you know they remain important people because they were linked to it and, and they remain important in the eyes of their fans uh, because who think they were mistreated by the special family, but without that connection, who gives a shit about these people, right? I mean, like that's, uh, right. You know, like uh, they, they just, they'd just be like, at least, you know, no more than any other like celebrities at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, here we are. Here we are talking about these two. I mean, here we are. You know, this the spare Prince Harry's book is, uh, you know, this huge uh, bestseller. And, and um, you know, why is that? Is it, because, is it because he's really cool? Everybody likes what he has to say about <laughs> politics and, uh, you know, philosophy? Yeah, I mean, if I wrote a book saying that I, uh, I, I snorted coke and killed 25 people in Afghanistan, you know, um, even if that second thing, you know, even if uh, even if that was true, you know, that's. Uh, I would read that though, by the way. I appreciate that, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there is a 
you know, there are various people who would read that book. I think most of them know me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it would not be, um, you know, like, look, that if I wrote that book, that would be, let's put it this way, that would be a subject of bar conversation in Brooklyn. I don't think that would be get quite the same cultural purchase. Uh, <laughs> or if I talked about all my like weird resentments about my family or, you know, I, I, I said, uh, like my various complaints about my brother or shit like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's well, psychoanalytically you know, interested, but maybe not that special. If you want to spice up the live show uh, tomorrow, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> here's the stuff I don't like about David Burgess. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I uh, hear the times of store to coke. And uh, I mean, I guess if I killed 25 people in Afghanistan because I wasn't in the military, you know, the, the British military or the American military, that would suggest that I was actually like going over to be a serial killer, which maybe maybe that would be more interesting. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I will say, you know, before we really get into your article, that the, uh, so the Hitchens book. It's like super expensive if you want to track down a print copy, but the uh, there's like a Kindle that's like three dollars or something because like nobody reads this thing anymore, which is a shame because they should. Uh, it's called the Monarchy: A Critique of Britain's Favorite Fetish, and um, it, it's just like it's a, it's a short book. It's like a zero books kind of size book, but it's uh, for Verso. But it's it's a very um, you know he's he's doing all the Hitchin stuff in a very like sharp way to like go after these people and like he has um he has a lot of fun with the sorts of things that people will say with like out of one side of their breath they'll like say oh but like the royals don't really have any power it's just symbolic and they're out of the other side of their mouth they'll say well what power they have they use for good you know (laughs) it's like yeah it's like you know i i don't know i kind of feel like if i were told tomorrow that I was going to be in this position where I would have uh, weekly meetings with the head of state, of, you know, the political head of state of my country. And, uh, and also that if I really wanted to, I could delay legislation by denying it my consent. Although you know, there'd probably be a constitutional crisis if I did, but that would be an option to me to start a constitutional crisis. I have to say, I'd feel like I had more political power after that than I did before. That's yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, but uh, we're not talking about the royals. Uh, we're not talking about the actual king of England. That would be that would be King Charles the Second or whatever he is. Um, that's that's for a sequel. That's what, yeah, after, yeah, what, his, after his uh, what do you call it? Not inauguration, coronation. Uh, coronation. God yeah. damn! I can't believe we still have coronation. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll follow up with his son on the king. Well, you should, because at this point you've written one. What about the princess? What about the prince? But yeah, so we're not talking well, I, I about. I hear if you go for the king, you just can't miss. So you know. <laughs> that is what they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that like okay, so we're not talking about the king. We're not even talking about the heir to the throne. We're talking about the spare. So yes. uh, so why? Uh, what was the kind of immediate context for writing this? So I've written a lot about the royal for whatever reason I've written a lot about the royal family um not because uh, you know I'm from the midwest uh, I've never even been to England 
um, it's just kind of fun and it's interesting to think about. They're the royal families hold not just only on England, but uh, the West, you know, in America. It's like uh, at times, you know, I grew up. I remember the celebrity culture of the 90s, and it felt like Diana and Charles was kind of part of that. You would see see them all the time on the National Enquirer. And after after Diana passed, that never went away. And so even with William and Kate and, and, and Harry and Meghan, um, they have still sort of been... Uh, you know, celebrities in the West. And so this Netflix series came out and I wasn't planning on watching it, but there was part of me that's like really six hours. And, and you know, it's just going to be them defending themselves or explaining themselves. Sure. So, so I watched a few episodes. I, and, and, I, you know, it's not, a, it's not the same level of sacrifice because I think the total of this was like four hours or something. But I, I did watch the uh, the multi part Obama hagiography on HBO for uh, for Jacobin. Oh God, yeah. I mean, the thing about Obama is like that's got to be incredibly boring. Yes. Whereas in this was like, I wouldn't say it's exciting, but there's like a car crash element to it. That oh God, now I feel bad saying that. <laughs> Car crash. God damn, oh, you know, boy. you gotta you gotta bring up the dead mom. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, it's, it's 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 sort of fascinating because um you know through six hours you just feel like that uh you're witnessing uh Harry and Megan's ego being stroked over and over and it's just kind of awe-inspiring at times. <laughs> yeah I, I'm, it, okay yeah go on oh i was just gonna say and with this book coming out and then it, you know this media tour it's just like you know th- all of this is like in your face you know you you almost can't escape if, if you're a citizen of uh, you know and use the internet it's hard to escape this avalanche of uh media coverage yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one of the things that you explore in the article is that it's like uh, there's this weird ideological dimension that I mean, in a way, is like is is a disanalogy with the Princess Diana case because, like, in, in that case, it was just like, well, she's like pretty and she seems like a nice person and everybody likes her and like you know I don't know the uh, Charles or the royal family in general was like mean to her. That's like a critique. There's like nothing like political about that necessarily. Whereas in the, uh, in the Harry and Meghan case, it's like sort of bound up with 2023 culture war in a different way. Yeah. And you get this weird, you get this strange dynamic where a lot of conservatives um, have been defending the royal family because it's like seen as this older institution um, where, you know, it has like history and tradition, even though, you know, 
obviously with the history of America and what this country is built on. Um, yeah, I mean, literally which, the, the least the least patriotic thing you could possibly do, like like you know, really possibly do as an American is defend the British royal family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in fact, after the, uh, Queen Elizabeth died, I wrote a piece where I went back to Thomas Paine's writing, you know, um, about trying to inspire Americans uh, 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 to, you know, fight against the British. Dude hated the crown. He made fun of the royalty, the British royalty. And he's like, what kind of idiot system is this where you're born into power? It, it makes no, it makes no sense. And so it's just funny the way that the culture wars shake down, you have, liberals reflexively defending Harry and Meghan, and you have conservatives reflexively defending the crown, and it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it is. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously the irony of conservatives who, in, in many cases, were like, you know, I mean, these are the people who were, like, obsessed with the iconography of the American Revolution five minutes ago and maybe even still kind of now uh, defending the British crowd at the institution of monarchy. I remember that article. There was, like, you know, uh, the Thomas Paine article about monarchy. It was, like, right after uh, the Queen died. Yeah. Um, is is insane. But also, like, there is something that's, like, very specifically funny to me about this sort of liberal embrace of Harry and Meghan because, you know, a lot of that is, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about, so on Monday, we were originally going to do this conversation on Monday. Yeah. And, and uh, the reason I had to cancel and reschedule is that the power was out on my street in Mexico and um, and so uh, my uh, my my next door neighbor and brother in podcasting, uh, Jason and I went to went out to like find a cafe with like Wi-Fi to work at after the power went out. And I remember we were like sitting out there, and there was a point where uh, he asked the Siri on his phone something, and you know she told him, and then and then he said uh, gracias. And uh, Siri's response to Gracias was, I don't know what that means. And Jason said, well, that's because you're a racist. And uh, the and Siri's programmed response to being called racist, I swear to God, is, no, I'm an anti-racist. Shut <laughs> up. Yes, that is what Siri says, that she's an anti-racist. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> like... <laughs> Amazing, but um, well, but you, like, you you laugh, but Siri's going to be replacing us as po as podcasters here in the next few years. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, and like that, you know that that says something maybe uh, culturally, and like that sort of like capital A capital R trademark, you know, anti racism is like bound up in uh, the complaints about the royal family, in the identification with, you know, with Harry and Meghan. And it's, uh, and there's something like a little bit funny about that to me because it's like, okay, like anti-racism, like the real kind, where like, you know, the sort of like literal, just like you think racism is bad. Um, like the core point is, well, there's nothing about being part of a, like a 
quote unquote racial group, whatever that even means genetically, that like makes you a special person or different from everybody else. And fair enough, but I mean, like, also, if if the reason that you're obsessed with these people in the first place is because there's a, they're like a prince and a princess, that like you're literally saying they're like special, different people, you know, because they're a member of like something even more insanely specific than a race, which is like a family. Yeah, and it, you know, at a certain point too, you're like, okay, well, like, um, you're not in the role of family anymore. Um, and you're kind of doing your own thing in California. Like, what, ex- what, what exactly justifies your $100 million Netflix and uh, Spotify deal? And, you know, and, and they try to use, they try to appropriate, you know, a lot of the language of social justice to try to, to, try to justify, you know, some of this stuff. But... I mean, part of what is funny to me is even in this Netflix documentary, you had Megan basically admitting that she didn't really identify as black or think of herself as black until like 2017 or 2018. It was like the attention that she got from the British press um, kind of made her aware. And then that, at, that, at that same time, you had Harry being like, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden I understood what racism I understand. I became an anti-racist, like Siri. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there, there is this interesting uh, moment where all of a sudden they became uh, these. They became liberals. They were, you know, coronated as as liberals around, <laughs> around twenty seventeen. Uh, it's interesting. At yes. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It is extremely interesting, and like it's, um, and it's like kind of revealing because, like, you know, you might, and you're more like, I don't know, maybe I should say you're in my more optimistic moments. I might think that there's like a certain sense in which American, you know, vaguely progressive culture might have gotten like slightly less ridiculous about. Um, like over identifying with good celebrities and uh in the last bunch of years i mean like there isn't really a cult of personality around joe biden you know the way that there yeah. was for barack obama you know right. like uh and um you know you might you might think there's been some some growth on this but no um like i remember so the your earlier article the the one about um I think it was like the People's Princess. Uh, oh yeah, the Meghan Markle one that I got a lot of shit for. Yeah, you got so much shit for it, and I remember actually. I remember at the time, like right after you, you published it, we were out for, uh, you know, when we were both in Atlanta. Um, you know, we'd like meet up every once in a while to you know place like a coffee shop with breakfast tacos and stuff to like to work there before I went to teach. And I um, I remember you were telling me. When his mornings we did this, like, oh yeah, I'm getting so much blowback about this Megan Markle piece. It's like, I'll bet, I'll, you know, I'll bet he's not really getting that much. You know, it's like this is probably like you know, three people got mad at him on Twitter and like you know whatever. Like you know, it's, it's like what's going through my head. And then I actually looked. I was like, holy shit, people really are mad about this. Why does anybody care about this? Lib Twitter was a flame. Everybody, I had former coworkers uh, quote tweeting me. I had 
uh, just about everybody you can imagine um, that voted for Obama and Biden uh, hating on me in September for this piece. I mean, funny enough is it's like when the, the Netflix documentary came out, more people were like, oh, yeah, they kind of are cringy. <laughs> so they might have over, overplayed their head a little. Yeah, they're like, oh, maybe, maybe he was on to something. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, because this is, I mean, this seems like, all right, there's like this little extremely thin element of social justice about the whole thing, which, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, the, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking about the British royal family here. Like, it would not, you know, shock me if the if the most insular privileged people literally on the planet like sometimes like said something that was like kind of cringy or offensive like you know that that um, yeah that would that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't amaze me if it happened but like right you know there's a, uh, there's there's a there's an element of social justice to it but like it's a really thin element and you take that away then essentially you're just talking about it's it's just um, it's just I mean, rich people. Yeah, it's just rich people. I mean, it's like it's like rich people. It's like it's like Paris Hilton or something. You know, like I get, I know that's like a really dated reference, but it's like, you know, it's essentially it's just like being famous for being famous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, in, in some way, the ro- the royal family has been that for a, for a while now. But um, Harry and Meghan um, are sort of trying to become like the, you know, they become Americans. They become, they, they move to California and um, they, they, uh, they live in this space. They're, they exist in this space right now, which is like the Obamas. Cause you know, the Obamas also have a Netflix deal. But at least <laughs> Barack, Barack Obama actually was president. You know? Right. Exactly. And he, yeah. he did some, like stuff. he was president for eight years. Like it's, it's like, I might not like him, but like he actually has, legitimate accomplishments that it makes sense that people know or care who he is. Yeah, and and, and if we want to talk about a body count, look, Prince Harry killed 25 <laughs> people. I mean, many drone strikes. Uh, I think Obama's got him on that one. Definitely, definitely, definitely. In the, in the number of Afghans killed, Kyle sweeps big, so Obama's definitely coming out on top. Uh, listen, Harry, uh... <laughs> Counted them up. <laughs> I'm <25? Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> Twenty-five to Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, the Clintons have podcasts and the the Clintons have shows, and they're t- and they're boring and like mediocre. But like, at least I don't know. They've had some impact on uh, yeah. politics and culture. Harry, like. You know, I feel very yeah. weird, by the way, about the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton and I have interviewed at least one of the same people. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Natalie Wood. Hmm. Yep. So I, I'm not concluding anything for that. I just I, That's just something that makes me feel strange. But anyway, go on. No, no. I'm just saying that it's interesting company that uh, Harry and Meghan, uh, you know, like the Clintons and Obamas over the last few years have sort of built this um, – Media Empire, Netflix, Spotify, um, which I've written about for Jacobin in the past too. Um, and then there's Harry and Megan are kind of like the 
younger Obamas in that sense, but without yeah. the, without the accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. All right, we have a caller, Jenny. What's on your mind? Uh, I was told there would be talk of guillotines. I want the guillotine <laughs> <Whoa>. talk. <laughs> Damn. Oh, uh, it's getting I, real. I do enjoy watching the most privileged people try to make themselves out as victims. That that is one of my favorite things. So, yeah, literally can... some of the most privileged people in the world because I mean like this is <laughs> this is the the British royal family which is not only like financially up there, right? You know. But, well, yeah. but you like, know, you know, but like literally has like a role in the British state like it, it doesn't genetically has a role in the British state. I I don't know how something could get more privileged than that. Well, I if you would indulge me in a quick story, I grew up in Detroit, which, you know, is a very balkanized place. And in my little enclave in the suburbs, there was this notion that if you were white and had a dad who had a white collar job, that you were totally privileged and, you know, everything handed to you on a silver platter. I'm like, I'm the middle child of eight kids, stay at home mom. My dad's lucky if he makes 25 grand a year feeding all those kids, clothing all of us, you know, we were scraping by back in the 70s and 80s. And then I was friends with all these kids who had both mom and dad working for a car company, union job, 75 grand a year. They'd show up at school every day with brand new Levi's, the best sneakers, all this stuff. The mom's dad had the Camaro in the front front yard, you know, but they were always groaning about their you know, lack of privilege and how hard things were. And, oh, you have a dad with a white collar job. So this, this thing has been a, a, you know, a side of my life that I just love to explore. And Ryan, that was one of the best thinkings I think I've ever read. That was just no. a delight Thank to read. Appreciate it. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you, you, you know, you're telling your story and, and, and then you hear Prince Harry talking about how he has to process his trauma you just want to i just want to punch him in the face <laughs> i'm processing my trauma yeah Come yeah on. exactly although i will say it's a little off topic but the uh the the main thing i got out of that story and uh it, it's a little funny actually because jenny and i probably didn't grow up that many hours away from each other but um is uh is man 70s and 80s that was the time when you could have your you know uh your dad could work at a could like have like a job like doing like menial labor on an assembly line and uh they'd be making seventy five thousand dollars a year and you have the new levi's yes. and all that stuff god damn it that sounds better well like Go. like i said yeah. it was just the assumption that i was living this you know silver spoon life with no, a no, dad to, to, to put on totally. a shirt every day and these, these car company uh, workers who, you know, because of the unions in the 80s, especially, they were making a lot of money and had full <laughs> medical and dental. I never even went to a dentist until I was like 15, you know. And so it was just like this topsy-turvy world that I grew up in that always just made me laugh so hard. So I No, just... to totally, right? Like, that, that, that makes total sense to me. I, I just... Um... Just as a side note, you know, I think it's like this is this is the, um, you know, it wasn't the point, but like that, like that is a story that's among other things about the way that having a more unionized workforce gave us like a much better society that you could have people who um, 
you could have people in these these positions who who's whose material needs were being met, you know, in a way that's, that's, that's really, uh, that's, that's well, really different. The point is their kids were constantly lamenting how poor they were and underprivileged and, oh my gosh, if only, and it was like, would you just get over yourself and recognize what, what a privileged place you're in, you know? Yeah, that's that kind of how I feel about, that's I mean, kids, I kids about are, theory, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. get a real job, go to work, take care of your wife and your kids, quit the whining. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think well, that. Oh, sorry, Ryan, you were saying. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. You, if you watch that Netflix documentary, uh, there's just a lot of time of them just staring at their phones and computers, and it's like you guys talk about how busy you are, and it, it, it's like they're not actually doing anything. They take you these exotic vacations, and then look at their phones and complaining about what's on their phones. So they're like, you know, they're like us, except they don't work. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I think the best thing they could do for their kids is just to go to work, you know? Quit trying to grift off the reputation and the hardships and just get a paycheck and take care of your family. Yeah, no, for sure. Um but yes, I <laughs> I want a uh, I want a society where more working class people are making so much money that their kids could be as clueless as the ones that you uh <laughs> you uh oh, that, you, that you grew up with. The cluelessness in Detroit suburbs in the '80s was rather epic. I can I can assure you. But, Fair um, enough. Thanks Fair for enough. taking my call, Ben. All right, thanks, thanks Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. Um. So, are you going to read it, Spare, By the way. Oh shit! No, I'm, I'm not going to read that. I mean, I well. You know, I said that too quickly. Um, are there circumstances under which I would read Spare? I kind of feel like that's not something that I'm going to read for free. If somebody wants me to review it, I'll do it. But like, I, I feel like if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna read, I would, you know, I, I feel like it's it's like, um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read that book without compensation. But maybe I'm wrong. Tell us, tell us, but is is it like fun to read? At least in a sort of like crating at the car crash kind of way or what was your experience rated it? no i mean i think um if you're on social media or reading articles like most of the best parts have been excerpted excerpted but oh man i love this clip that somebody posted on twitter because there's an audiobook where harry is re- it's funny he couldn't even be bothered to do all of it but he does um narrate the part of his first sexual experience and all right and and also the part where his his dick gets frozen um at william and kate's wedding where he's like oh it's my my dodgers (laughs) frostbitten (laughs) (laughs) so i mean that that alone uh, is pre- is pretty hilarious. Although that... it's just like, why? Why are? I mean, the thing you also get. Uh, from I mean, look, there are that... probably people that uh, Jenny grew up with in the suburbs of Detroit who uh, who who have like embarrassing stories about their dicks, but like we're not reading about that. Yeah, I'm sure. Like right now, like a quarter of the people in Detroit have frozen penises. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no exactly, one's but... no one's got to know about it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think one thing that stands out to me is just that he's just an unremarkable person uh, unto himself. Like, right. he, ta- he talks about how he doesn't read books. Um, he's, he's not... He, he's just not a very cultured person. Um, yeah. He's not an intellectual. He's very basic. And, and even, you know, um, this, the, the whole story of uh, Megan and, and, um, and Harry meeting and, and their relationship, it's, it's very boring. It's like your rich friends that, right. you know, showing you a slideshow, <laughs> you know, they're awesome vacations. That's what, like, a lot of the Netflix show is. It's like uh, watching someone else's slideshow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, how how much more content do you think these people are going to be able to squeeze out of their not very interesting lives? I mean, because there's already the book, there's the Netflix show. Well, there's like a, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Harry signed a four book deal. With like uh, Penguin, what are the other three even going to be? I don't know. He okay. So one thing he said was that he it was his um, biography or autobiography was twice as long as he and he cut it down. Um, so maybe I guess there's going to be like some sort of sequel. There's going to be like deep cuts. We're going to find out about the first time he masturbated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just keep on going back to that well. And just give us whatever's there. Um, well, there's also going to be a book apparently on the Invictus Games, which he founded. But like, how boring is that to learn about? Like, some rich kid making a charity. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, well, I would hope so. Um, well, as long as you're willing to take one for the team and read all these books, I hope you do keep writing about them. Um, there's you know, like this is a um, this is a beat that I'm glad you're on. I think that uh, I think somebody I think somebody should be because, like, it it's like a little basic, but like I do think that there's something valuable about this. That like, okay, I mean, obviously our larger politics are like we you know you know racism is bad, but like you know capital A can capital R anti racism. As the uh, as the the locus of like you know progressive political energy isn't always particularly useful, and you know we want people to be more focused on trying to have a more you know materially equal society. You know, give give more people a ch- you know if, if a big welfare state and strong labor unions, and more people have a chance to not know how good they have it, like the you know <laughs> kids in the Detroit suburbs, uh, but. Um, but like I also yeah. feel like there is some, some kind of value in just like I think like look there are a thousand things that are awful and unjust about American society, but I think every once in a while when we get something right, it's okay to just take the W and like God damn it, mm-hmm. like all the stupid things about this country, at least we don't have like a particular family of rich people that like you know you have to like you know like Beyonce doesn't get to have weekly legally mandated meetings with Joe Biden to talk about his policy priorities. And, you know, we don't, we don't have to have the, you know, Beyonce assent, you know, to, uh, to do laws. Well, you, you had, a uh, 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 Kanye and, and, and Trump at one point, but that's a, that's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, and you know, I think that this Harry and Meghan thing is also kind of taking the oxygen out of the room with like some of the uh, strife and economic issues that uh, the UK is facing right now. Like, um, I've been reading some recent things about uh, how bad inflation and, um, you know, there's strikes going on there. Uh, there's a lot, you know, like Britain is kind of in turmoil right now. And it's like this Prince Harry stuff is overshadowing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like, even if you take completely seriously, they're like, none of these people have real power view, which I don't like I, we were kind of talking about earlier. I think that's a little overstated. But like, even if it's purely symbolic, what is it a symbol of? <laughs> right? Like, uh, you know, it's it, it's ultimately these people are kind of the, the team mascots for inequality. Right? And like that, that's what it represents that like this, they get to have this, you know, special status because they're they're part of the important family. <laughs> and, uh, okay, and, and okay, you, you know what I see happening, and th- maybe this is cynical of me, and maybe I don't know, maybe this isn't true, but I'm here for it. Let's do it. I can. Okay, I think maybe that when William and Kate become, uh, you know, the it, that we you will see, at least symbolically, at least the way that that we do it, that they're going to be more you know, quote unquote woke or they were going they're going to espouse more liberal niceties than their forebears because that is the way that uh, the elites the younger elites um, are operating. So I think they are gonna have to adjust. I think the royal family will try to try to pivot a bit and kind of, you know, apologize for the past and now, try to justify their own existence. Yeah, if there's anything, if there are any historical transgressions that one of these people hasn't apologized for, William and Kate will definitely find it and apologize for it. But also, like, you know. Um, I mean, some of that is good. Which, sure. I, I, I mean, I look, do. the institution did, did many very terrible things. Uh, it's all right to apologize for it. I think the truest apology would be abolishing it <laughs> and, uh, and, like, you know, redistributing the money to people who need it yes. more and, and, and just, like, moving into the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, instead of just apologizing for uh, colonialism and and a lot of the, the horrible sins, you know, you could uh, redistribute, you could change a lot of, you know, your foreign policy um, as far as economics. That's not going to, that's not going to change, but... Um, but will you, you know, do like, uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and, and wear the Kenty cloth and, you know, get on one knee, uh, at some point, maybe, <laughs> because that doesn't cost you a thing, right? If you're, if you're symbolic, if you can symbolically do it, if you can maybe erect new statues, that's, that's yeah. kind of how I see, you know, it happens. Oh my God. I just, I just, I just. I just had a vision of uh, of King William in the year 2050 in Kente cloth, and uh, yep, I, th- I think maybe that's our future. Yeah, that you know, even though even with his troublesome bald balding, as uh, Harry said in his <laughs> biography, <laughs> that's such a that's such a dickish thing to say. 
I know, man. Like, it's one thing to drag your brother, you know, uh, publicly in front of millions of people about, you know, him being kind of a jerk. But about his balding, dude, you can't help that shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both have brothers. I don't, I don't think we'd, uh, I don't think we'd talk about them that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my brother had an early balding problem. I didn't say anything. <laughs> He's younger than me, and he's bald, and uh, I'm not going to rub it in his face. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember you ever once making a comment about how troubling it was. <laughs> no, I, I love that Spare exists. I, I, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like an artifact. I feel like we're going to look upon it in the past and, and just being like, wow, that was an amazing moment. Yeah, we, fair we enough. learned that Prince Harry got ridden like a stallion, that he did coke, that he killed 25 Taliban, that, you know, he is processing his trauma, like all of it. It's it's something. It's Yeah, yeah. Um, there we go. Well, I, uh, I'm probably not going to read it, so I'm glad I could uh, read your review, which I agree with Jenny, was, was very, uh, was very entertaining. And um, want to remind people where they can find it. That is at Compact Magazine. All right, so it's called The Prince of Cringe, uh, and yes. there is there is a link to it in the uh, in the description for uh, for this episode. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Ben. Have fun at right. your show. Thank you. <laughs>